0: Hello and welcome to Beheaded. Welcome to season three, episode two. I'm
1: Megan Moore and I'm Elizabeth Black. Elizabeth just tried to take a large gulp of wine right when we got started. Megan had like a bunch of false starts, and I kept trying to drink my wine while she was fucking up, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I just couldn't sneak one in. So I'm gonna have one now, and you can one cont- glass later. Continue with whatever this. you have to say. It's, a bit of-
0: it's fine. You can drink. No, I am.
1: I am. Just continue.
0: Everyone knows how we function here.
1: <laughs> they're all Italian but they're wines. Both Italian wines: a Nero Grande, Epacimento, and di Santi. Right.
0: A little bit of foreshadowing on Ooh. what we will be discussing this evening. Yes. And Megan made bruschetta. I did make bruschetta. It's really great. Oh, thanks. The trick I've learned when you make the actual like French baguette part and you toast it. Yes. Um, you do like your olive oil on it and then you also rub garlic on it yes, and then you put it in the oven
1: and that's, toast it. That's essential for many breads. Even just like a nice avocado toast. Yeah. You know, just Rub a the, the garlic. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, you, some people think you have to like mince the garlic or nope. even like, you know, uh, dice it. It's like, you, honestly, if you just like peel it and just spread a tiny little bit across.
0: Not even spread. I,
1: I honestly just take a
0: hard piece and rub it. It and then throw it, throw it out afterwards. Rub me
1: all up with garlic. Love. So I'm a little oh, sneaky of garlic right now. That's okay. We're sitting really close just breathing in each other's garlic smells.
0: It's nice.
1: Mmm, I love it's it. It's
0: been a very exhausting weekend. Yeah. For me, mentally, physically, a lot going on. For those who are unaware, I am a very big Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> like... I think they know. But Swiftie, for new listeners swifty at heart you should know now i've said this before if i were to ever meet taylor my pickup line would be i am also a 1989 baby just like she
1: was i bet she never gets that is
0: <laughs> i mean there's a small selection of population that yeah. can say i'm Literally, a 1989 baby i don't know
1: she has a whole album called
0: 1989
1: people that will come up to her and say that i mean <laughs> i don't know the stats She's
0: December 13th, 1989. I'm September 13th, 1989. That is true.
1: You have that in I'm exactly
0: common. three months older than her, and I really feel like we could be best friends if we ever
1: met. Thanks for that.
0: I, I would probably <laughs> put her ahead of you. I'm sorry. Cut,
1: cut me out real fast after you meet Taylor. It's fine. This is
0: what I had to keep up with this week. Her red album, Taylor's Version, came out. Yes. She was on Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, SNL. Did you watch all of these live? Yes. Wow. Not live. I had to watch them on YouTube because I don't have cable, but uh, I still yes. watched them. Yes, yes. Um, her All Too Well short film came out. She had her premiere for her, sh- her All Too Well short film. Wow. And then her latest music video directed with Blake, Blake Lively. Lively just came out. Oh. my girl?
1: I love Blake Lively. There was did you ever see? I probably didn't. You don't follow this stuff. I might. I mean, I've been kind of bad on social media, but I think maybe. In the past.
0: So, Blake Lively and Taylor Swift and Ryan Reynolds are all best friends. Yeah. You told and me her that. kids, mm-hmm. Blake and Ryan's kids, are mentioned a lot in her folklore songs. Yes. Like, even before, even in Reputation, the song that goes, gorgeous. Do, 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 do. Like that little limp horse is gorgeous. That's Blake Lively's daughter. That's actually her voice from like a voice recording oh. that she sent Taylor in like a voicemail one day. Oh, that's cute. And, vo- and she took out that like clip from her voicemail and put it into the song. Anyways, mm-hmm. they have like a big history. I like that. And on Halloween, there's all these cute pictures of them trick or treating together. And oh, okay. I like that. Well, so I like me saying
1: Blake Lively and Ron Reynolds. They're I have a very
0: big Taylor weekend. I'm. Exhausted. I'm satisfied. I've am i cried a lot this weekend. You know, I think that's good.
1: I kind of like that she's doing this whole re-release of everything. Because, I mean, I don't, again, I don't follow Taylor as closely as Megan does. But from what I've seen just here and there, you know, on different media outlets over the weekend, they say a lot of what, her, what she's coming out with now is even more impactful now that she's older and has so kind of a good. different take on everything that she did when she was younger. So I think that's kind of cool. It's like revisiting yourself from 10 years ago, but... It means something different now, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's just growing up. That's just time. I like that. It's all better. It's all better.
0: How was your weekend?
1: Good. it was good. It um, I went to the Mean Girls musical, which was a yes. ton of fun. Um, so I, like, Mean Girls is like a cult film, right, from 2005. I love it. It came out, we were literally, I'm like the exact same age as the Mean Girls girls, so when they were juniors in high school, when the movie came out, I was a junior in high school, and I saw it three times in theaters. Wow. <laughs> I know. And then I even made um, the girls from The Office, like, dress up as Mean Girls a few years ago, like, back when, you know, we used to have office life. Um, So I just like when it came to Phoenix, I was like, I, I have to get tickets. So I went. Um, I took my sister. I hope she appreciated it. You know, I think it's a little like again, we're so far apart in age that I think she didn't like. She gets it, but not the extent I got it. You know, I'm like, this is my, this is me. Were in you high a school. mean girl in high school? <gasps> I don't know. I don't think so. You were a cheerleader. I was, but I wasn't mean. That's what
0: the Mean Girls always
1: say. <laughs> so nice to everyone in that tone. I was never mean. No, I don't think so. I don't know. Ask someone else who went to my high yeah. school. I'm not a good judge of that. But Mean Girls was good. But Mean Girls was good. Um, I will say, like again, I love the movie. I love the characters. I love all the like you know funny quotes that come out of the movie. But I wasn't a huge like fan of the music. Like you mm-hmm. know when you walk out of a musical and you're like, oh my god, like every song hit, and I was just sticks with like you. still reciting all the lyrics. Like that didn't happen in this show. Like the music happened, and I walked out being like, I don't know if I'll ever listen to that music mm-hmm. again.
0: I like Karen's songs. You heard Actually, song. you showed me that before I even went to the yeah, musical. Yeah, That I was like funny. Her song.
1: So just if you haven't seen the, the Mean Girls show, and if you know Mean Girls at all, like Karen is the stupid one of the clique. So she just comes on stage, and the song is just so simple and dumb. And she's just like, my name is Karen. My hair is shiny. (laughs) Like, I forget, but it's like, it's like, my skirt is tiny. Like, it's just so simple. And then she just stops, and she's like, that's all, and, like, walks away. So hers was hilarious because it was just so perfect for the character. But aside from her, like, I couldn't tell you one song that came out of the musical. But it was overall a fun night,
0: you know. I also saw a musical. You did. And it was much more stickable. (laughs) (laughs) Stuck. I saw Rocky Horror Show live. My first time ever seeing it live. I've never seen that. I went with Dr. John. Dr. John, wait, thank you. Mm -hmm. Damn it.
1: (laughs) Uh, He took me because he's a doctor. (laughs) Because <laughs> he's a doctor. Thus he took me to the show. Um, and you had front row oh tickets. Oh my gosh, it
0: was so fun. It's just oh. like so flamboyant and so colorful. Okay, and can I raise
1: my hand and say I have no idea what that show is about?
0: <gasps> like, you've never seen it? Well, I've never seen it. I've never I always, seen the movie or I've anything? always
1: heard of it. I've always known you, what it is. Have you seen like
0: pictures and like you I've know what, pictures of like Tim Curry and yeah. his like trans? Yes, I've
1: seen like what the outfits I'm look a, like. Transsexual. But what is what is the whole production oh, about? What's so the main storyline? It's it's very
0: cheesy. It's just this like goody goody Brad and Janet who just got engaged and they're from oh. the seventies and because that's when it was written. Yeah. And they're just like this cute little couple with her flared skirt and everything. And they get broken down and it's raining and they show up at a mansion and they're just like, what did I walk into? Ooh. And then everyone is like. And crazy and weird and just creepy and they're killing people and then oh. Rocky Horror yeah and then they like came out of nowhere then they just like create this like perfect man robot named Rocky it's just though okay you have to be really I was not high I was
1: but you're not sober
0: I was not sober but I wasn't <laughs> to <be> high clear. <laughs> um, there was a bar there and we had dinner first but it's just like you have Jake watched it the movie completely sober. Oh, I feel like and this is
1: not Jake's comedy. Didn't understand
0: yeah. it at all. Yeah. And he even said, like, I think I need to, like, eat an edible before I even watch this because you're kind of like... W-. That's and, fair. And it's from the mid-70s, so that was, like...
1: Very <laughs> progressive, like LSD kind of. Time. Yeah, it's just yeah. like things
0: happen. You're like, what are they doing now? Okay, okay, there's a lot of nudity in it. There's like a lot of not Ooh, in the actual show. That I was gonna I saw, say on stage nudity. I didn't see on stage nudity. I, I mean, Dr. there was John a lot of like something else, <laughs> but bras and
1: yeah, like burlesque, like, type like just of, funny.
0: Like, yeah, Janet ends up just wearing like her lingerie for the entire musical. Like, it's just kind of funny oh, and wow. weird,
1: and yeah. it's.
0: I highly recommend. I like it. It's the music is really good though. Yeah. The talent is good. It's fun, and it's so funny. Yeah. And there's it's, it's all about having hecklers in the audience and people oh. who have like a cult following of this show so they all know like what to the say heckling when? part oh, and then I mean, like that. the, the yeah. you know the actors will get involved and they didn't do this but normally it's very interactive. There's all these little weird cult things where, like, you're supposed to come with toast, and you throw toast at the actors. Oh, like wow. There's all these really like a weird, game. random, <laughs> like, traditions that you're supposed to do. Okay. They didn't do a lot of that because they said, due to COVID, you aren't supposed to throw oh anything. Yeah. I mean, it didn't matter that we were all sitting side by side without masks in a theater. But, <laughs> but you due weren't to COVID, you can't bring your fucking toast. <laughs> um, and then the last scene, normally the audience runs up on the stage, and they yeah. do the time warp dance, and they go take a step to the left oh. and like they do the dance and it's oh, kind of like, like the that. hokey pokey but better okay um but we weren't allowed to run on stage because of covid
1: because <laughs> of covid <laughs> but we could Not sit because next of anything to anything else other, yeah i like fine. that covid is just the ultimate excuse for everything yeah that's why we had delays last season due to covid due to
0: covid there were <laughs> extreme delays while well, we're doing nothing. I like that. Home. Well,
1: you know, live, nothing is like live theater. You know, I think now that it's back because I'm usually good about seeing maybe one or two shows a year, like like musicals and whatever. But now that live live performances are back, I'm like, I'm looking at every like lineup for every theater, and I'm like, what else can I go to?
0: Well, that's about it. We introduced our Italian wine. We did. We have an Italian person today. Very Italian. So Italian, I'm having trouble with his name. Oh,
1: we got it. You, I'll let you take a stab at it.
0: Tonight, our executionee is Giordano Bruno. Giordano Bruno. See? <laughs> how do you say it, Giordano? Giordano. Giordano I, Bruno. How I think of it, have you heard of the
1: restaurant Giordano's? No. There's an Ita- Italian, well, it's a pizza restaurant, really. Let's call it a pizza restaurant in Chicago, called Giordano's, and it's, like, deep dish Mm. Chicago-style pizza. They actually did open one in Phoenix, though, so they have one here now. I don't like deep dish. I don't either. I like New York. I like New York, too. And deep dish, like, (laughs) I felt like such a pig when we first went there because everyone's like, oh, you can't really eat a whole lot. Like, you might have one slice and be done. And, like... I had three slices my first time at deep dish and everyone else had maybe one and a half to two. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's heavy. It is heavy, but you know, it's I like hot dogs. That counts as a Chicago dish, but we're talking about Italian Sorry. back we, to our we get
0: sidetracked easily.
1: Yes. Um, so yeah, so Giordano Bruno, um, if you don't know who he is, just a quick synopsis before I we get have no into everything. I no idea who he was before this. It was, yeah, I think I found him because, um, if you've ever seen, it used to be on Netflix, but the Cosmos series, mm-hmm. hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's a famous, um, astronomer. He's just an astronomer, but there's a specific type of astronomy. He does astrophysics. astrolog
0: astro, astro,
1: astrologer. <laughs> Full circle right there. <laughs> No astrophysics, right? Uh, The study of light and refraction. It's astrophysics. Mm. Okay, (laughs) I might have to fact check that. Um, Anyway, I think he's a famous astrophysicist. Is his like claim to fame? But he does this like ten part thing on Netflix called Cosmos, and he goes into the history of the universe. Like, where did we come from? Like, what's the multiverse? Like, you know. And he goes into each uh, episode is kind of different deep dive into certain either. Scientists are like philosophers who determine certain theories and then just goes into the, you know, theories themselves throughout time. Anyway, but in one of the first episodes, maybe even the first one, he introduces this character named Giordano Bruno. And he he's credited um, pretty much in like the 1900s with being Not, I don't want to say the founder because, and we'll get into this and like what his theories were, but people really credit him as just being like a martyr of science. Like he died in the name of science. So we're gonna be talking about what his theories were, kind of how he came to be, what he died for specifically. Um, not to be, you know, not to spoil too many things, but some people do kind of take that back about him being such a scientist and maybe he was more of a philosopher. Mm -hmm. So whether it was science or philosophy, or maybe at the time, I mean, this is Renaissance era. Maybe that was more blended than we think. Um, but that's his claim to fame.
0: I have a list of some of his titles. Okay. Dominican friar, philosopher, mathematician, poet, cosmetologist, theorist, and a hymetic occultist.
1: Yes. I will agree with all of those, except for, um, and a lot of this kind of states that mathematician was questionable. Mm. Because they say that even though, again, he was a scientist. He was more like philosophical in his approach to science, in that he didn't really believe in the scientific method, or like he wasn't a great mathematician. So it's funny because they always <laughs> say like he went to lecture on math, and well, they're I can like, "Do things too, and yeah. not be good at it." <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So I guess we'll say, we'll say novice mathematician. Okay, but the rest is pretty much accurate, I think. Uh, anyway, so um, we'll go into kind of his early life and talk about uh, you know who who this guy is, where he's from, all that jazz. So our friend Giordano Bruno. He was born in February of 1548. Um, He was actually born, his real name was Filippo Bruno, and he was born in what they call Nola of southern Italy, which is modern day Naples, like in the general vicinity of Naples. Um, His father was Giovanni Bruno, who was a soldier. His mother was Fraulisa Savallino. No occupation listed there. (laughs) Shocker. Housewife. (laughs) Um, And, uh, again, about his early life, like, not a lot of record of, you know, how he was as a kid or his interaction with his family or if he even had brothers and sisters. Um, But he was tutored at a monastery in his young age that was in Naples. He attended a lot of public lectures um, that were taking place there. So by the time he was 17, he entered the Dominican Order at Naples, And what that means is he entered the monastery at San Domenico, um, and that's where he officially changed his name to Giordano. Uh, it's written that he really admired one of his professors who was named Giordano, so that's where he kind of got inspiration for that name. So by the time he was 24, which at this point is 1572, he becomes an ordained minister, an ordained priest in the Catholic Church. Um, and so when he was, you know, again, young 20s, mid-20s, he was really known for his memory skills. Like He was a model pupil because he really just retained everything and could recite anything people gave him. Um, and there, he, he apparently had such good memory that at one point he was in, even invited to Rome on the order of uh, Pope Pius, I think is how you say it. Pope Pius, Pope Pius V. Um, to kind of demonstrate his memory skills, and what's funny is like when Megan and I were researching this episode, we were like, "How do you demonstrate your memory skills?" Like, because it kept saying, "Oh, he kept impressing people with his memory skills," but it's like, what did what did they do to kind of quiz him and test him? Like, hey, describe that tree you just saw and then cover his eyes.
0: Like, <laughs> like, it would have to be reciting things. Yeah, and but was, how
1: much? Well, and like, you know, I don't know. I just I'm curious to know what those tests look like. He was a mathematician. In your book, a novice hey. mathematician, maybe you had to, like, recite Pi. Like, hey, name Pi now. Go. When did Pi become a thing? I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Why did Pi become a thing, more importantly? <laughs> Who the fuck was like, guys, Pi? <laughs> Let's about this. I know you're this. all, uh, you know, curious about the circumference of the circle. Introduce Pi. Maybe. Or in, all the in proverbs. In Latin. Yeah,
0: maybe memorize all the proverbs in Latin.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you test someone's memory, but they, they made it seem like it was this big game, like, like oh, they tested his memory and he did really well. It's like, yeah, is he just reciting things? Like, I don't know. I wish they they documented that a bit more. But apparently, I mean, it wasn't just, again, something that was like, oh, that's impressive. It was so noteworthy that he went to Rome to demonstrate in front of the Pope. Um, So people knew him again at a young age of just being like, wow, this very bright, student who really can recite everything he's just like you know sharp as a sharp as a whip um and so finally it starts to come out though that he is a little combative with his teachers mm-hmm. that he really starts uh, to talk about things that aren't necessarily catholic that aren't necessarily like sanctioned by his religion he all of a sudden is just kind of known as a free thinker And he starts to read things that he really shouldn't read. Forbidden books.
0: Yeah. He defended the Arian heresy, which is a belief that while they believe that Jesus is the son of God, Mm -hmm. Jesus is distinct from God. God the Father. In Christianity, you believe the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all, it's the Trinity. The Holy Trinity. And they are all one, but separate, and together, the same, but not the same. Right. But this is a very distinct of, no, there's Jesus, and then there's his dad, God. (laughs) His Papa, God.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of this is tied in with kind of other, uh, you know, religions or versions of thinking. Some people think he was kind of, um, what do you call it, not monotheistic, polytheistic, mm-hmm. where he believed in multiple gods. So some people were like, oh, he believes in, like, again, some sort of Egyptian philosophy, some sort of, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but Hermetian philosophies. Sounds right. Right. Um, you know, it had a lot of uh, kind of uh, Jewish things that he was recalling. So a lot of it was just like, this isn't whatever you're preaching is no longer Catholicism. It, it's a little polytheistic. It's a little like off kilter. Um, and again, you're not acknowledging just like the Holy Trinity and like what we're teaching you in the Catholic church. So by 1576, so at this point at what, he's like, oh, no, I can do math. I'm also a mathematician. <laughs> um, so he's like uh, 28 at this point. He starts. Thank you. <laughs> no, but he begins to to kind of wander. So he, I don't know if he's officially excommunicated at this he point. Flees. He, so he they,
0: flees. So they find yeah. some doctrines in his room in the monastery, and they mm-hmm. find some of these forbidden books that he's reading. And so he he's like, nope peace out i'm gonna take this time to travel (laughs) i'm gonna Um, take a sabbatical (laughs) he also wrote a piece that they claim is now lost but it's called on the signs of the times Mm. um he claims that he had permission to have all these doctrines and all these (laughs) books and whose permission we're not sure but he claimed oh no
1: it's fine but also peace out yeah it's a little Joan of Arc. Like, God came to me in a vision, told me this was okay. Don't worry. I'm fine. Also, I like that it's lost works. I'm going to start saying that about myself. But like, you know, you probably haven't heard of all my lost works. <laughs> all my um, publications I had many years ago. That everything now that lost. got <laughs> deleted on my old laptop was really profound. Due to it's COVID just, reasons.
0: COVID reasons. Um, Norton antivirus. <laughs> everything crashed. Yeah. Had, like... Ten, good, ten books, you know. Really quick. All why, published. Why was Norton Antivirus such a thing when you that? were, like, yeah. my dad was always like, you need to download them virus software <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> like
1: antivirus software. It'd also be like Norton Ghost. like It would just pull up in a little box.
0: Trojans. Like, I know yeah. why. I had so much LimeWire illegal music. On your computer. No. So many music downloads on my computer when I was 13. Oh, a lot of Napster. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm getting sidetracked. I remember
1: LimeWire. Yeah. I'm like, why did my shitty Dell from 2006 only at last oh, one year? Why
0: did it die? It's
1: a called Trojans, they attacked, there was a horse, Oh, my dad got mad. My dad got mad. All of Megan's work's lost, all of her prizes. All of our lost work. <laughs> Nobel award winning literature lost. All right, so Bruno okay. flees. I'm going to call him Bruno because it's easier for me. Bruno's easy. All okay. right. So yeah, so he flees. Um, a little bit unclear where he goes exactly, but we think that initially he went um, from Naples area to Venice, then perhaps Padua. Then to somewhere in eastern France and kind of settles in Geneva at this point. And Geneva is um, kind of a Calvinist capital of Europe at this at this time. Um, so when he's there, he's talking to a lot of the Calvinists. He's writing. He's kind of in hiding. He's still kind of searching for truth. Um, and he's and he's starting to teach other people his like kind of weird. Now, hybrid religion philosophies that he believes. So he's starting to kind of get again more well known for his very original thoughts, um, and it's uh, very unclear about again what some of these things were. Many people think that he was uh, using a lot of cosmology, talking about the stars and how, like Copernicus said, uh, which Copernicus, by the way, we looked at the timeline, so we were like, where exactly do they match up in history? Copernicus died in 1543. Um, So they didn't quite overlap, but they were right next to each other in history. And Copernicus was the first person to say, Hey, unlike you other astronomers who believe that Earth is the center of the universe and everything circles around us, I believe that our planet is circling the star, which Mm -hmm. is called the sun. And all these other suns out there are their own solar systems and other planets and things. So Bruno kind of expanded on this idea of, hey, there are infinite other universes, other solar systems out there. They probably have life on them. And, you know, they're all, again, interconnected. We are all one with the same universe. And all matter is kind of being exchanged at all points. And this universe is very fluid. So people, again, were were kind of uh, following this this new way of thinking, this new way of teaching, and he, he did a good job of kind of combining religion and cosmology, like religion and astronomy together to say we are all one part of this big thing God created where matter and energy are being exchanged all the times and we're just one of many worlds. So he gets a reputation, again, because of his very assertive, kind of combative nature. Uh, He's not just a a nice, peaceful person going about his philosophy. He's being very vocal about it, right? He's being very in-your-face about it.
0: Also during this time, he's basically lost his whole priest look. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So he was a monk for basically 11 years, Mm -hmm. but now he's wearing pants and he got a sword, and he got a hat, and he has a cape. So
1: people, he's he's not perse- Jan Sport backpack,
0: <laughs> Jan Sport backpack walking around Europe, going to hostels. He's mm-hmm. in his twenties. He's traveling. He's figuring out life. Yeah, Three dollars a night, you know, for a hostel. But he really isn't identifying himself as a priest anymore. Right. Some sources even said that while he was in Geneva, he even became Protestant. Some sources said that was unlikely, but. Kind of to Elizabeth's point at the very beginning, referring to the point how he's a chameleon and he kind of changes and he's adaptable, uh, he's very impressionable. And while he is very strong and loud and confident in his opinions, he's also going to mold himself into the area that he's in. So some people thought he actually became Protestant coming from being a Catholic monk uh, once he was in Geneva
1: and living that lifestyle. And that's probably how convincing he was, right? Because... Sometimes when you're the most convincing is when you are adaptable and you say, no, 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 I believe what you believe in, but listen to what else I have to say. You know, so he, again... It's a good strategy. It is, yeah, because people aren't going to trust you if you come out, you know, straight off the cuff, like, here I am opposing your views. You're going to kind of weave yourself into the fabric of their society first and then convince them otherwise. So it could have been, again, just more of a strategic point that he had there.
0: While he was in Geneva, he wrote a... they called it an attack, but he wrote like a paper on someone called Antoine de la Faye, who was a theologist, basically. Mm -hmm. He wrote this paper that was very much attacking all his beliefs, which is very, it was all very Catholic beliefs. Um, And Bruno and the printer who printed out these pamphlets were both arrested. Because of that, they were refused the right to take the sacrament anymore, which is a really big deal in Catholicism. Very big deal. Because at this point, he's, really starting to speak out against Catholicism, and they're taking away his rights.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And that's when he's looking to now leave Geneva. Right. And he goes to France.
1: Yes. And so in 1581, this kind of all lines up because King Henry III, which, I understand your confusion, so (laughs) we're not talking about England. This is France. So we're talking about Henry III of France. Nothing to do with England. Um, But he... This is the one that summons Bruno to court. And he says, hey, I've heard, you know, from multiple sources about your, uh, not only theology and your philosophy, but also your just memory skills, like the art of memory that you've really cultivated. So he brings them to kind of see what this guy's about. So he's, he's summoned to France by King Henry the III. Um, and he, Bruno himself reported, and these are his quotes, it says, I got me such a name that King Henry III summoned me one day to discover from me if the memory which I possess was natural or acquired by magic art. Ooh. I satisfied I know, isn't that cool? Like, <laughs> sorry. End quote. That's really cool. <laughs> Continue quote. I satisfy him that I did not come there, that it did not come from sorcery, but from organized knowledge. And following this, I got a book on memory printed entitled The Shadow of Ideas, which I dedicated to His Majesty.
0: That was really important that he dedicated some of his works to both King Henry III. Yes. And he starts dedicating some of his works to the Pope. Yes. So we're going to keep saying how he's making works. <laughs> he's
1: publishing, publishing things. Left and right. He's dedicating. writing a lot of
0: books. He's writing a lot of pamphlets. He's putting out literature and materials. Right. And at the time, he would annotate and dedicate your books to certain people, and it really boosted your popularity in certain areas, depending on who you're dedicating it to. Exactly. So this was pretty important that he started using King Henry III mm-hmm. to his advantage to gain his popularity. Right. Um, but yeah, King Henry was infatuated with him. Yeah.
1: And, you know, if you're a person who's, a, you know, a royal or a diplomat or, you know, even a lawyer, anyone who's who's usually kind of calling upon laws and trying to retain all these things in regards to your country— you know, when you see someone with such a sharp memory, you're like, how do they do this? I mean, this is when m- much of the population is illiterate and can't even read anything, and yet you see this guy that can just recite everything and keep such an organized brain. Um, so, they were really fascinated by his, like, tips and tricks to make sure all of this... It's magic. Yeah, yeah, and again, to the point where they thought it was magic. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, he's probably the first person they ever encountered with, like, a photographic memory. <laughs> um, but, because of this, he really started to enjoy his stats. He had the protection of the elites because to him, or I guess to them, he was more of a parlor trick. I think he, you know they were like, "Wow, look at this guy! Look at look at my buddy over here! Like, tell him something, and then ask him about it in a half hour. He'll recite it to you. Like, who knows how they did Again, this? Again, we don't know what how he demonstrated yeah. his memory. We so really much. like to know. <laughs> they play a game of like match or concentration with him. You know where they put like the I cards love that facing game. down, and they're like, "Now find the two kings. I'm really <laughs> bad at it. I don't have a good memory. Really? No. I used to be so good at
0: it. How that many games. times <laughs> do I retell you the same story? Cause I forgot that I told it <laughs> to you at one point. Sometimes, no. <laughs> I have a bad memory.
1: No, I think you're
0: okay. I, I remember have... facts that are irrelevant to important things in my life.
1: Yeah, that's good. Dates and things like that, but you uh. don't you don't tell me that many things too often. No, that's good. Yeah. Hmm. But um. But yeah. I, I mean, you know, those are those are fun games to play with the kids. You got to keep their sharp, their uh, memory sharp. Um. Anyway, so. Uh, so he starts to, again, starts to kind of elevate in terms of status among the nobles who really start knowing him for these things. But by 1583, so this is about two years after that he uh, that he arrived in Paris, um, King Henry III is like, hey, I'm going to kind of ship you off to France not because you're doing anything bad here you're like on my recommendation I'm gonna send you to the French ambassador and you're gonna be in the Elizabethan court because at the time Queen Elizabeth is on the throne in England mm-hmm. she's thriving yeah she's thriving doing her thing over there um, so he goes to England and he is met you know by the French ambassador there he does meet Queen Elizabeth herself he starts not necessarily teaching at Oxford he's not um, a professor but he starts lecturing there and just kind of talking more about about his, uh, you know, theories uh, surrounding, like, Copernicus, Ca- how do you say that, Copernicusism? Ca- Ca- yeah, that one. But he starts talking about his theories, and, you know, he really expands on this idea of the infinite universe and this infinite energy that's out there. Um, so, but, yeah, at first he was seen as kind of like, oh, like a groundbreaking, uh, you know, new theologist, and what is this kind of guy going to say next? But... As we've seen in his past, his views start to really catch up with him, and he becomes a bit more controversial. Um, And at one point, during one of his lectures, somebody just straight up accuses him of plagiarism. plagiarism.
0: Well, everything he's saying is not very original. Exactly. They, They said that he was the first to propose that we are in a universe that's infinite, but in fact, eight years before he even proposed this, someone named Thomas Diggs wrote a whole theory on this. Right, and in kind of a, an extension of this belief that the universe is infinite, means he believes that there's alien life. At that time, is groundbreaking to think it's aliens. <laughs> Obviously, it's it's very extreme, but. Some, he, he got this reputation that he was the person who was coming up with these ideas. Really, he was just the loudest, the loudest. coming up with these ideas. Yeah. He was known as being very vain, very flamboyant, very loud. Right. And so, you know, when you throw spaghetti at the wall and see what <laughs> sticks, but, like, you're going to be the loudest one out there. Is that too. an Italian
1: joke? I, it was my <laughs> Italian
0: reference of the night. I like it. Um, you know, people are going to start listening to you. But with that, when people start listening to you, the attention is also drawn to you. And the spotlight is now on him. Yeah. And people are starting to speak up of being like, mm, this guy is extremely controversial. He is saying things that is very against the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the Inquisition is full-blown.
1: Oh, Yeah. You know, so you either have the two people, like the two different critics—one uh, that's saying, "Hey, you're too controversial and two against Catholicism," and the others that are saying, "Hey, this material isn't even yours. You're plagiarizing a lot of this." Um, so the tensions start to rise when he's in England. So by 18, or sorry, fifteen eighty-five, he actually leaves to Germany. So he flees again, being like, "Okay, they kind of called me out on plagiarism. Like, I thought I was a big dog over there," and he still had a lot of supporters. But at this point, he knows it's time to leave. Um, So he goes to Germany, he follows that quickly by Prague, Uh, and in those cities, uh, Lutheranism is really becoming the the main thing there, so again, a form of Protestantism, Um, and eventually they start to see through him too, to the point where they're saying, you know what, you're going to get excommunicated from the Lutheran church as well, like, you've already been kind of dismissed by Catholics, dismissed by the Calvinists when you were in Geneva, like, now the Lutherans aren't going to really accept you either, because again, you're just being way too far out there.
0: He was excommunicated by the Lutherans. Yeah. And he basically just has difficulty finding jobs wherever he goes. Right. So from England he goes to France, to Germany, to Prague, to Frankfurt, to
1: Padua, (laughs) back to Venice. Yeah. And the Venice thing is weird why he even went there. Because as Megan just said, like the Inquisition's super strong in Italy. Like They are just rounding up people left and right who are against the Catholic Church and, you know, killing people, arresting people for whatever reason uh, because they're so against Catholicism. In
0: 1591, he was invited to go back to Venice. He actually decides to finally move back in March of 1592. Mm -hmm. And he's invited by someone named Giovanni Montgenigo. Right. Very Italian. And this man wants Bruno to tutor him and to kind of teach him his ways. And he's such a well-known person at this point. And teach him his philosophies
1: and his theologies. Specifically the uh, mnemonics, too. His memory skills. His
0: memory. Yeah. He's, how are you memorizing everything? Because, again, Bruno kept saying, like, it's very much a skill. And yeah. it's something that you can train your brain into doing. Giovanni ends up being very unhappy with Bruno. And he's mm-hmm. thinking that he is blasphemous and... What he's saying is heresy, and he's not
1: quite sure what to do. And (laughs) one thing I saw, too, that said before he did anything, he went to his, like, Catholic priest, his, like, confessor, and he was like, hey, I don't know what to do about this guy. He's starting to, you know, teach me his ways, but I'm I'm a little, like, torn on what he's teaching me. And apparently the priest was just kind of like, just let it ride. Like, see how this goes. Don't do anything quite yet. Um, so it's kind of a funny point where this guy, uh, Giovanni's going to his priest like, okay, okay, great. Okay. We'll wait another week. And then, you Just know, see what he says. Yeah, it yeah. might get
0: worse. It might get better. It might get worse. Knows? Yeah. Just, no, don't make a big deal out of yeah, it. I
1: get it. Day by day.
0: Finally, though, Giovanni does denounce him to the Venetian Inquisition, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty big deal. This is calling out your buddy. This is like, hey, I've got a heretic living here right now. He's got blasphemous things he's saying. He's against the Catholic Church. He thinks that there's an infinite universe. He thinks that there's aliens. He thinks that the sun is the center of the universe. And these are all things that are just not going to pass in the Catholic Church. So on May 22nd, 1592, he's arrested Mm -hmm. and he's arrested for a very long time. (laughs) If we just kind of want to jump to it, he has a seven year trial and he has such a long trial because he's so smart.
1: And I mean, you know, at this time too, it wasn't that uncommon to be held for a long time, you know, during your trial or kind of awaiting your sentence. Um, But during this time they do transfer him to Rome. So he goes from Venice to Rome. Um, so by 1593, you know he's just hanging out in Rome, awaiting like whatever's going to come next. Being very argumentative, like Megan said, so he's kind of kind of talking himself out of any sentence that they're trying to give him. He actually uses philosophy for his own defense. Right.
0: I mean, makes sense. As he's it a philosopher, a <laughs> theologist, everything else. Yeah. Um, but he's giving very convincing arguments. Um, this whole time though, he's held in confinement in the Tower of Nona. Mm. which is in the province of Naples. And they said that it was a very teeny tiny cell for seven years that he had to live in. Oof. Very poor conditions. Um, he was tortured. I don't have a lot of details on how they tortured him. Sure, but yeah. they did say he was tortured at
1: some points. Mm. Um,
0: falsely was there was no fireplace
1: <laughs> in yeah. his cell. Megan and I were watching a documentary where the way the guy who said it, the, the historian that was talking was very confusing because he was like in his tiny dark cell. Awaiting the flames of the grand fire. Oh, he said. But he, but he, he made it, it. He made it sound like he said he was in a teeny tiny dark
0: cell with a fireplace that was he eventually walked into. Blah, blah like it was yeah. this weird. Train, but, and then I had to go back and listen. Like there was no fireplace. There was it was no a symbolic fireplace. of the the symbolic fire of his and his eventual life. demise
1: <laughs> and his life.
0: <laughs> his final charges were blasphemy. Yes. And moral conduct, mm-hmm. heresy, uh, and the preserve of the cosmos views. Right.
1: And like wrapped up in that uh, was kind of his denial of, they said, the Catholic faith overall, the Holy Trinity, Christ himself, the huh. Virgin Mary. Yeah, Yeah. And I think uh, kind of along the lines of what uh, Megan was saying about the cosmology was he believed in reincarnation because he believed in the connectedness of the universe and how when you die, your soul doesn't just go to the heavens, it, like, you know, reconvenes somewhere and goes into something else. So, all of it, blasphemy.
0: Blasphemy. How his, his inquisitor was Cardinal Be- Bellarmine, And his only request, he said, the only way you're going to get off is if you fully recant everything you've ever <laughs> said that was blasphemous and immoral. And that's when... How can you go back and, like, like, again, he's a vain person and he's very confident. He believes in everything that he's ever said. Right. But he was a scientist. And when you go back now as somebody in in the year 2021, Mm -hmm. everything that he was really saying, the fact that we are in an infinite universe. Right. And the sun... Is the center and our of our universe and the planets orbit around
1: our solar system? Yeah, just, thank you. And, our solar yeah, system. and each in each sun or each star is a separate sun and potentially a separate solar system with life. Like that's fairly acknowledged now. We don't know all all of these things because, you know, we're still young in history. But all these things are probably true. Um, so he straight up refused to recant his. Beliefs, And again, even if he thought, yeah, you know, maybe I'm still Catholic at heart or I still believe in Catholicism to a certain degree. Again, like Megan said, he's so vain. He's not going to recant now. No. He's not going to take this opportunity when he can either die for his beliefs that could outlive him. And I mean, we're talking about him today, right? So he's still well known. Or you can just recant, it, like, never mind, it's fine, and then go die in the woods somewhere. He's compared a lot to Galileo, Yes, who was about
0: 33 years after, after Bruno, mm-hmm. Galileo was arrested for basically the same exact charges, With for like, blasphemy, immoral yeah. conduct,
1: heresy. And the same people, too, like the same people that had tried to... Uh, uh, you know, eventually get Bruno were the same people that tried to get Galileo. And his only difference was that Galileo recanted. Galileo did give in and he
0: did recant everything. And because of that, Galileo lived until the age of 77 mm-hmm. and died of heart palpitations and <laughs> at a nice old age. Right. And that was that was the difference. Yep. Um, but, you know, Elizabeth and I were talking about this. We were, we were thinking, well, Galileo also made a very big name for himself. And do we think that Bruno would have had as big of a name mm-hmm. if he had recanted? Right. Because
1: if Bruno wasn't, you know, eventually executed, which we'll get to. Wait, what? He was executed? Sorry, I know. Spoiler alert. It's called I beheaded. every time. <laughs> you mean they were killed in the end? Um, but, spoiler alert, it's like if he wasn't executed, you still have Copernicus before him. And you have Galileo after him. He wasn't the... So It wasn't really
0: original thought. Yeah,
1: so if he, if Bruno is no more or his story was less exciting, would we remember Bruno? Mm,
0: maybe. I can't remember his first name for the
1: life of me, <laughs> so what is it,
0: Giordano? Giordano. Giordano. Deep dish pizza. On January 20th, 1600, mm-hmm. Pope Clement VIII finally claims him as an official heretic. Yes. They sentence him to death.
1: Mm, no.
0: Even then, it was it was a little bit delayed. So, so first of all, when they sentenced him to death, these are Bruno's famous Ugh, final words. Such a good quote. Perhaps you pronounce this sentence against me with greater fear than I receive it. Ooh. He was not afraid of being tortured. He was not afraid of his past seven years right. being held in confinement. And he definitely, at this point, wasn't going to be afraid of, of being sentenced to death.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... I, I think this was one of his, like, I know we kind of keep repeating this, but what makes him stand out beyond anybody else was his bravery.
1: Yeah. His, his like, conviction. He nice name of
0: Joan of Arc.
1: A lot of Joan of Arc, actually. She
0: refused. Well, she caved a little bit at one point. She did. And then she went back. (laughs) And then she came and she went back. (laughs) He was solid the entire time. He refused to recant. Right. And then he was just like, I'm not afraid of this. Maybe you're more afraid to sentence me to death than I'm afraid to actually die. Right,
1: right. The closest thing he ever even got to somewhat of, you know, a recantation was... Uh, he, at one point before he died said something like, no, I, have always been a Catholic and I'm still a Catholic. I just happen to have these very grand philosophical and cosmo- cosmological views. Mm-hmm. But again, like he was trying to, that was kind of part of his shtick of being argumentative and trying to confuse people. But that's as close as he came to even like somewhat denying what he did. But again, aside from that, he was rock solid in his beliefs and his refusal of, of, of you know, trying to do everything the Inquisition was trying to get him uh, to do.
0: So that was on January twentieth. Yeah, almost a month later, on February seventeenth is his actual execution date. Yes, there was some delays. Yes, which isn't common because we've heard of ones. What we just talked about, Charles the first, and it was three days later. He right. Dies.
1: Yeah, and um, it was an afternoon execution, which is really weird. Two
0: o'clock in the afternoon. So <laughs> random.
1: Um so uh they eventually take him on February 17, 1600 to the Campo de Fiori which is like a marketplace in the middle of Rome. And there's a little bit of uh I guess um, conflicting ideas as to what exactly happened once they took him to the square. Um some people some historians think that they hung him upside down naked first to like embarrass him and fully deprive him of all of his arrogance, which as he, we know he's a very arrogant guy. Some people just said that he was stripped naked and then led to a pyre. And the cosmos he was carried through on a mule. On the cosmos he was carried through a mule. In Another documentary we saw he was just like in a cloak and paraded through the streets.
0: What we do Shame. know for sure was his as I quote, his tongue was imprisoned. His
1: tongue was bound.
0: And what we mean by that is they gagged him with this metal device that went into his mouth and it had spikes. That pierced through his tongue and held his mouth shut. Yeah. So and he can't even try to speak. It's very symbolic, but also very a, a purposeful, physical thing. Yeah. The purposeful, physical part of it was they were afraid that as they were burning him, he was going to continue to be shouting out all of his theories and everything he's been ranting about for seven through thirty years of his life, um, he was just going to continue to get filled into people's heads of all of his all of these blasphemous beliefs of right. the universe and nonsense. Right. Um, so that's part of it, and then of course that's a form of torture to have spikes through your tongue. Tongue. But also, I think just <laughs> on a symbolic level, this entire execution was about taking away the freedom of speech. Yeah. This entire thing was a show of cutting people off and how dare you come up with these not you know absurd ideas about the universe that clearly doesn't exist and you know again here we are 500 years later minus some and Mm -hmm. it's and it you know this person would have been seen as the Steve Jobs or the Tesla, or the <laughs> you know the Stephen the Hawking's next of today innovative voice, yeah, sure. yeah. It's somebody who we celebrate and probably has a million followers on Twitter. So, um, exactly. symbolically they needed to gag him and silence him.
1: Right. And apparently at the very end of his, uh, you know, a walk to the pyre, um, they did offer him, like, a crucifix to, to kiss, which I don't know how you kiss when you have a literally spike gag in your mouth. Blood um, pouring out your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Just coughing up blood. Um, but they, they offered this crucifix to him, like, close to his face, being like, this is your final chance, like, accept Catholicism, like, accept Christ in the Trinity, you know, and this can all go away and he turned his head so he even in with the pain of this bite gag and even with knowing that he's about to you know burn to death he turns his face away and still refuses so they light the fire and he burns and he burns to a uh cosmic crisp so that is how mr bruno met his demise Um, It is said that his ashes were thrown into the Tiber River, which was right nearby in Rome. Um, But I believe it was 1889 or sometime in the late 1800s, uh, they erected a big statue of him exactly in the place of his execution. So there's an annual memorial service that still takes place. I mean, maybe not right now because of COVID-related delays. But uh, they, uh, they apparently, like people go... You know who are, who are fans of him or followers of him or still believe that he is a martyr of science. And they just go, you know, essentially pay respects to him. And it, even if it's not in terms of his scientific beliefs, people like to acknowledge, again, the freedom of speech part of it, the fact that he spoke out and he was an innovative thinker uh, and that he did things that, again, were against what the Catholic Church was saying to do at the time. Um some people think this is a little bit exaggerated or like, okay, let's relax on the whole Martyr of Science thing. It was just his, again, his assertive nature, his language that really brought him his fame. The he, seven years in prison <laughs> that he refused to give in and Right. Can't. It was more, again, yeah. the, the bravery aspect. Um, but either way, you got to kind of applaud the guy for sticking to his guns, right? <laughs> that's what you call it. Yeah. And he has this really cool plaque on his uh, on his memorial, on his statue, I like this a lot. It says, to Bruno. It's in Italian. Maybe it's even in Latin. I don't know. I don't know. It's Italian or Latin, but it says, to Bruno, from the generation he foresaw here. Here, where the fire burnt.
0: I love that. And that's it.
1: And I think that's so cool.
0: Because he cared about the future. And he knew that there was going to be a future... Of scholars like you and me,
1: (laughs) (laughs) mathematicians and cosmologists, much like me and Megan.
0: mnemonics
1: mnemonics and things. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a really funny documentary that we just thought was great because, like, this guy was clearly... You're not, you
0: can't call that a documentary. Okay. That was a mockumentary, <laughs> first
1: of all. Well, it was... You're going to start questioning
0: our resources for, like, this Full very, of
1: historical inaccuracies. This
0: documentary, okay. this guy wore a fake mustache.
1: But this guy, at the end of his documentary, he's so pro-Bruno that he just goes, so... Like, he's like, like this, comment on it. He's like, hashtag Viva LeBruno. And I was like, oh yeah. Viva <laughs> LeBruno. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Oh, and the rest is rest and stardust. stardust. I love it.
0: Oh, well, we haven't had a good burning in a while. I know. Nothing like a good heretic on a Tuesday night.
1: I'm trying to think of the burnings we have had. I don't wanna. Joan. Joan, obviously. We had a boil. Not to be confused That's with the burning. A, yeah, not a burning. Uh, There's been more. Anne Boleyn was going to be burned, but not burned. She was not. We've had more burnings than just two. Right? You would think. There's huh. tons of heretics in history. We'll find more.
0: Hmm. Well, Elizabeth. <laughs> Homework for <laughs> we'll, today. Who else was we'll burned? We'll go to bed and just think of all the burnings that we've talked about, but um, we... Oh. We, huh.
1: Margaret Pole.
0: No. No, she was Shoot. beheaded and Who she had was a the body. There was a lady. Oh, Anne Askew. Anne Askew. She was hanged, wasn't she, or was she burned? No, I think burned. Oh my Remember gosh. She had the we bomb. Had, we've had
1: so many. She had a bomb around her oh, neck. We haven't done Anne Askew yet. Fuck. <laughs> X all of this. <laughs> I'm going to put my hands around the microphone and never speak again.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth, <laughs> before you ruin any other <laughs> secrets for the rest of season three, any final words and make them quick? <laughs> oh my god, no, not today.